Welcome back to another episode of the Mind If I Crash podcast. I'm your host, Tristan Taliano. Thank you guys for being patient with us. If you guys haven't seen the Happy Dad Hard Seltzer, go like that on the YouTube channel. Subscribe, comment, do your thing on that. Guys, today we have a very special guest from LaGrange, Ohio, a high school student athlete who went to the University of Pittsburgh for broadcasting and communications. He is now competing in the bodybuilding world. Mr. Troy, how are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for being here. You've been the first guest that we've had in almost a month now. Wow. We've been really taking time off and doing the content, which I want to talk to you about yours. But first things first, when did the weight training start for you at the very beginning of your of your career? Um, the very beginning um, was pretty much, obviously, in high school when we had to for sports. I actually right. did not enjoy weight training one bit i hate it. i i would go just because i had to go um we'd have you know organized times to go lift and train and kind of i was telling you earlier about the pitchers and catchers in the off season i'd go there and it was more full body exercises more than anything it wasn't necessarily like sport. benching or dead lifting it was essentially just like medicine ball tosses sprints more conditioning mm-hmm. than actual cardiovascular than weight training and strength training but pretty much when i started actually falling in love with the weights and bodybuilding in general was after i tore my acl in a flag football game out of all things I just interception had, yeah <laughs> I, you know and um shout out to soccer sportsplex in north olmstead with yeah. the astroturf is that where it happened? Yeah. Damn. <clears throat> it's always on some turf where some bullshit like and that the happens. The crazy thing is I've talked, I've spoken with some people and they claim that they got new turf now because they have that amateur or professional soccer team mm-hmm. that plays there now. So now the AstroTurf's gone. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I really hate turf. Yeah. You, I, so I, for baseball and stuff, did you ever have to play on turf fields? Mm-hmm. I played in Avon and uh, yep. yeah, Lake County Captain's Field. Hated that. Now on like on the... The topic of being a student athlete, you are a three-year varsity letterman, correct? Yes, sir. So that means, I mean, from a, a young age, what, sophomore year, you started varsity or at least played uh, enough? I played varsity. I didn't necessarily start till junior year. I had a, I was better hitter than fielding, mm-hmm. so um, I DH'd quite a bit frequently my sophomore year, Man. and there's a, we had a good program. I mean, Keystone's a very underrated program for, not for softball, everyone knows about mm-hmm. my uncle and uh, the softball program that Keystone has, but the baseball's no joke either at Keystone High School. It's been a good program even before I got up to high school, and it and still I, is and, decent, uh, right? It's still good. My Actually, <laughs> my other uncle um, Bert Fitzgerald, he's the head coach there now. Currently, that's funny. So baseball and softball, you guys got it unlocked. Yep, that's and, funny. Uh, so yeah, it was a good program. I had great upperclassmen ahead of me, and it just competition just kind of swelled through. And it was already a culture when I got there. But my class, we played together back in the hot stove days since we were like eight, ten years old. Right, and we won a hot stove state championship when we were twelve. And that was pretty much our life goal. (laughs) Ironically, at the time, that's how small goals were back then. It's, hey, watch cartoons or get the coolest Yu-Gi-Oh card. And then, like, winning a state championship, that was, like, our our thing that we said we were going to do. And that was considered our life success, like, you know. (laughs) The innocent days. So when we got up there to high school, that was pretty much our our mantra from there on is, you know, we're going to 
bring good baseball to Keystone, bring a state championship. Go for the chip. So, yeah, I, uh, I didn't necessarily start playing every day starting till junior year, but mm-hmm. I letter, I did letter my sophomore year. Which is a flex. It is an accomplishment. It kind of is. Like, back then, to me, you know, back <laughs> when then. When life is simple? When life is simple, yeah. Like, I guess that's a good, like, little little notch on your belt mm-hmm. to have a letter. Now, truthfully, I'll be honest with you, I cherish more of the camaraderie and moments I had with friends that, you know, our life has dramatically changed since then. Some of them I haven't seen for years. Some, you know, are no longer with us. Some are, shoot, I think some in jail at this point. So it's like, I'll remember more memories of summer baseball trips to Tennessee and hanging out with people or, um, you know, just eating on the bus, just messing around more than the actual championships we won, the letters I got. The pure moments. And that is really what, what kind of makes you fall in love with sports as a child is that that camaraderie, that brotherhood, that, that team atmosphere. You know, I definitely mm-hmm. get that. Now, I did hear you mention briefly before we started, um, y- you did kind of have dreams and plans to take it on to the collegiate level, correct? I did, yeah. Um, I mean, back, like I said, back then, everything changed. I really didn't like, it was kind of finding myself as a mm-hmm. person. So pretty much as at a young age, my whole life, I kind of thought I'm an athlete and that's all I am. Mm-hmm. There, There's no deeper Troy Piazza. I don't know what I am. There's no like, I guess there's no substance to me. I didn't feel like I felt like if it's an athlete or like I'm a bust. Right. Like what else am I going to do to that point in time? And that's what a lot of young people get. And then even people our age, shoot, I know a lot of, you know, our peers our age who still have no idea what they're going to do career-wise or if that's what they want to do for the rest of their lives and they're still figuring I'm still figuring myself out to an Mm -hmm. extent so you know when I was in high school yeah the dream was (laughs) always go to college play d1 make it big go to the pros from that point on you know but sounds sweet but this there is genetics that come into play I wasn't the most gifted athlete i wasn't i'm not the tallest guy mm-hmm. at that time in high school I was only 132 pounds um Damn, i wasn't and you the, were a dh so you i wasn't were, the you biggest, had some power behind you I wasn't the biggest guy but my dad always said you outwork everybody and you will play over them i promise you that it doesn't matter you know if they have they're six foot five mm-hmm. they run the a four two you will play over them if they're eating cheetos on the weekend not taking extra swings or not going out fielding ground balls if you're you're working you're gonna play over them and that's what i did i i a lot of coaches i think played me just by the simple fact that they know i'm very coachable i'll do whatever my coach says and that's translated into my bodybuilding you know I'm into a, your life it, i mean it did from, very, from the outside yeah, looking at i'm very regimented in what i do and dedicated and i if i believe in you i'll die for you i'll go to war for you any day i so like that that's how it is with my friendships that is how it is with my family mm-hmm. if you're in my circle i'll you know i'll put it all on the line for you right i like that i like that a lot and honestly it, it does show just how little we know when we are kind of in our youth like especially at that time we are truly trying to figure out what is the next step to a chapter that is completely unknown? Because mm-hmm. we don't know. All we know at that point is school and the kids we grew up with, especially <laughs> yeah. in a city like Amherst or LaGrange. It's like, we don't know. No, it's so different, so sheltered. And no matter where you go to, you know, if, if you go to college or even just go to LC or whatever, it's always different, just that next step in your life. Mm-hmm. It's just like you don't know if you're going to see certain people again ever. You don't know what they're going to amount to, what you're going to amount to, what 
crazy circumstance is gonna happen like mm-hmm. like that's just kind of what I think about now just kind of reminiscing kind of just hits me right now just talking about it like I was talking about my teammate like my one teammate Caleb Staller like he just had a kid and he just passed away this last wow. year and and it's just it's just crazy to think like back in the high school and all those memories and like just to think wow like he was so excited for his future and not mm-hmm. knowing and then like now he's not with us and it's like and I'm still here and it's like yeah sometimes you're like why <laughs> I'm a baby I'm a fucking baby when it comes to that shit um our generation has been like ridden by a lot of things that we've had to overcome on top of like a ton of judgment from i think like the generations before us and um i don't think that it's like an excuse or a cop-out but i do think that it has kind of breeded a headstrong mentality amongst a lot of people our age if they're willing to kind of express themselves and and explore new things um those endless options, endless opportunity. Um, but true from true adversity comes great gifts, you know, and like we've been through shit, whether it was personal or amongst a peer, like you just had a witness. We've all seen something if we've grown up kind of in this, in this decade, you know? And what's crazy to me is like, we've gone through all this adversity and we're not like, scared to work like we've all worked hard to get to where we're at now but it just mm-hmm. seems like the trend is what's the easiest way to get to that point yeah the, and it, it usually doesn't work <laughs> where's that Correct magic pill or where's that genie in a bottle like yep. everyone's scared of failing or adversity and i used to be like i'm i'm not gonna lie i used to be scared as hell to fail like nothing would like i would have you can ask any of my teammates when we were 12 on that state championship run i would throw up before every game nerves by the fear of letting my teammates down or letting my dad down you know my dad was my coach in my youth but you can ask any of my teammates I didn't get any favoritism he was arguably the hardest on me <laughs> I if, like that if I miss three ground balls in practice he's gonna make me throw my glove down and hit baseballs at me ground balls so oh you catching them barehanded huh I didn't always catch them sometimes yeah, they'd hit I me I would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie yeah no I like but, that you, you know I don't regret any of that and that like I thank my dad every day like he Mm -hmm. he my mom instilled a lot of the caring traits that I have for people like I genuinely want people to succeed in life even Mm -hmm. if I really barely know them if I feel they're a good person I want them to have all the happiness in the world and achieve their dreams yeah but my work ethic I definitely gained from my dad just from him being my coach and you know always telling me fuck genetics fuck this like you can outwork anybody right you can get to put it. in that you time can make it happen right and it's behind the scenes and obviously I, I'm, I'm positive that that reigns true to your life today the work behind closed doors makes for the the showtime you know like everything that you do leading up to a competition or what you put on the YouTube channel, the sure. work behind the scenes, no one truly knows. And that's where like the, the real struggles, the real challenges, yes. the real failures probably come from. And that's where, my, yeah, that's how the YouTube started. So when I tore my ACL and was going through that, it wasn't just uh, Hey, look at me or I'm bored type deal. I made it. Cause I was like, I don't care if I get three subscribers or I get two viewers. Mm-hmm. If some 10 year old kid watches my video and inspires him to like go work out or better himself or work harder or even like not the simple fact that you have to work out to better yourself it's just the whole philosophy of it like hey just go out there work hard and like 
you know, you're going to go through hard times. That's how life is. It's just right. how you react to that and what you do after that. There's, like there's that. no finish line to struggle. It's mm-hmm. going to always occur in your life and arguably it'll get harder when you, when you have a significant other or when you get married, you have family. It's, the pressure is going to even get greater mm-hmm. at that point because you're not going to be able to be selfish when you got three kids and, you know, right. you got to tell Johnny, Susie, and Brianna that it's going to be okay at the end of the day because someone picked on him or someone tripped him or he, he failed a test. Like, you're going to not only have your struggle at that point, but you're going to have a whole family struggle. Right. And you got to know how to handle that. You got to know how to take that and, and, and kind of be ready for it, you know? Um, I, I do admire that. I think that when we even started this, it was more so, um, I know that it doesn't have to reach the masses for me to continue to do it and enjoy it. Um, you, you do have something that I think is probably the greatest skill set to like the greatest character trait to ever have is empathy. In my opinion. Um, you know, I think especially as a, like an adult, To be able to look at someone's situation and see if you can help or even just simply recognize what they're going through Mm. is hard in a selfish world, you know, when we're out for what can I get, not what can I give. Um, And the fact that, you know, you're there for the long haul with the people around you, I mean, it does speak volumes of you, you know? I appreciate that. It. It honestly, my mom even told me before, it is a blessing and a curse that I have that trait Mm -hmm. because it got to the point where when I was going through my like depressive states and my bipolar and was partying and drinking, it became much because I cared so much for people that it would take a toll on me. I didn't know how to say no to people. Like I would always find a way to fit that person in. Mm -hmm. Like I could have, I could be taking 24 credits in a semester. I could have you know, practice or weightlifting, or I got to do all these things for my, you know, I was in a fraternity. So I was the president of my fraternity or vice president of my fraternity. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be having fraternity things going on, but Hey, can you help me out with, you know, setting up this, or can you come over and look at this, uh, my computer and help me or help me with this homework? Like I will always like make time. Yeah. If you're, if you're a friend, like you're, you're family to me, like if you're a true friend, so I'll always make time for people yeah. and to help people. And at a certain point, I had to learn how to say no and become a little selfish. And when I met my girlfriend, she kind of helped me out with that. I've been learning, like, you know, like, it's not, it doesn't mean you're an asshole or you're not a good person for saying no. It's just they have to respect you, too, as a person and be like, hey, I'm still willing to help you. It's just not right now at this immediate time. I got too much on my plate. So I had to kind of learn hey, I got the weight of the world on my shoulders right now. I can't add another pound right now. Yeah, like, it's just yeah gonna, you can't add anything else. You're not going to be as accurate on what you can do. Or you, you know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. not going to be able to... You're not going to be able to fulfill all your promises. Like, or if truly you make too be many. there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be able to put... It's not as genuine to me. I'm not going to... Like, if I'm not... If my heart's not all in it, I don't want to be there. Like, I want people to have the real Troy Piazza there. Like, mm-hmm. not some mindless person like i'm thinking oh crap i gotta be here and here and here like your mind's a different but i'm here right now like much. i'm rushed checking my phone like i hate that like when i'm with a person i'm constantly like checking my phone it feels so rude like mm-hmm. 
That's people the Italian me, in you. Yeah, people call me an old timer because like I literally never have my phone out unless I'm playing music or you know looking at my workout plan that Mike sends me for the day. But other than that, I'm not like texting while people are talking or at family dinner. Like I'm not like look scrolling through Instagram. Like I want you to have my time. Like this is your time with me. This is yeah. my time with you. Like, I respect that. I like that. And honestly, the fact that like. This is, me and Tommy have talked about this on air, off air. Being selfish can be the most selfless act for the ones that truly mm. need you, yep. you know? And that that is a hard thing to, like, implement when you're a naturally giving person. You want to take on and help everyone in the world if you can. And, uh, you know, throughout my life and throughout some of my experience, I've definitely learned that that is kind of mandatory to be able to operate at peak capacity for my family. And especially when you add, you know, a significant other children, anything you need them, you got to be there undivided attention. hundred percent. It's not easy to do. You know, it's definitely easier said than done. <laughs> it really is. It's I'm human. I still am heavily flawed, still working on things. That's something I continually try to work on every day. But, um, as I stated before, back in, you know, my youth, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do necessarily after or mm -hmm. what made me happy or who I was. But that's just something that does make me happy. It, it makes me happy positively impacting someone's life in a positive way, helping them out. Even if it's something as simple as like, hey, I'm out of pre-workout. Can I give you a pre-workout? Like sure. something as small as that, like just makes me happy. Like I can help someone out. Like that little like interaction with some social interaction could help them or make their day that much better like yeah that's what people don't get they don't they don't know what's going through someone's head every day they don't know what that simple hello or waving to someone or that nod like means yep. to them like they could be someone who's every day getting their ass beat by their dad at home or they could have an alcoholic mother or a drug addicted mother or like they just have a shit life and that simple oh my god fucking troy even though i'm a nobody but that's simple like troy he Act dabbed me up at the gym or like told me what workouts to do like that can make that kid's dream like oh man like that's awesome or his day and he can go home start watching bradley martin videos and he could become the next big thing i like that and shout out to bradley martin by the way so like <laughs> yeah <laughs> send it and uh that to me is pretty much what i'm aspiring to do with my bodybuilding i don't care about getting a pro card or getting any sponsorships through it or winning the olympia that's not my goal like if that happens whatever i'm a competitive person every every show i i'm going to do in the future and the show i did hell yeah i wanted to win it like i'm a comp like i'm an athlete like right. i don't care if it's a walking your dog competition i want to win it like you know <laughs> tommy tommy might but might try to do something like that at the end of the day it's bigger than that to me that's that's small goals like i know winning the olympia is not a small task right. i'm not trying to downplay that but it's like Every athlete, it seems, at the end of their career, they lose themselves. They don't know who they are because they don't have that anymore. So I want something bigger than that. Something when bodybuilding's all said and done, when I'm physically not able to do certain things that I could, mm -hmm. I can still mentally be happy because right now bodybuilding does occupy my mind and it always keeps me busy and always keeps the demons at bay. Like right. it mentally keeps me calm and happy, mm -hmm. but someday that's going to be gone. So I want something bigger than that. And at least like if I leave something like I impacted five kids at Grafton Barbell or I impacted three people who saw my story to my first show at Old School Iron, then that's a success to me. Yeah. 
And I think people view and define success in different ways. Like people think, oh, I bought a Bugatti. That's, uh, I made it. Mm -hmm. Or I got this Rolly. I made it. Got a $40,000 chain. I made it. I'm a rapper. I'm in a magazine. To me, I don't, I'm not a materialistic person. I, don't, yeah. I really could give two shits if you're, you know, you're LeBron James or Machine Gun Kelly or whatever. Like, they can be not happy people. Yeah. They could have everything in the world and not be happy. To me, success will be, like I said, if I leave an impact on someone that positively changed their life to stop them from going to a bad direction and lead them to a positive direction and leave them something that can impact them forever. That's, that's a legacy to me. I love that. Um, and it's cool because as a kid, you didn't recognize any depth to your, to your story, no. you know, but that has been you the entire time. Yep. It, it went from, yeah, success amazing. to me was making it to MLB. Like it was like, if you, if you don't do something with sports, like you're a failure, like that's mm -hmm. a failure. <laughs> or if I'm not making, mindset, if I'm yeah. not making millions, I'm a failure. Six figures, I'm a failure. No, I know people who are making like they're under middle class, making only like thirty five, forty thousand dollars, but they're mm. fucking superheroes, man. Yeah. Superheroes, like they do way more for the community, way more for the youth than any professional athlete could dream of. Yeah. That, not saying that there's that not good people in those industries. I'm just saying that like. If you're out there and you think you have to be the next like celebrity just to make it or be a success or be worth something in this world, that's not true one bit. Mm -hmm. Not even close. I like that. I like that a lot, honestly. It's, uh, it's wild, the, the versions of success that we build for ourselves. I'm not saying I wouldn't take a Bugatti, but I, I definitely want to have, I want to have more than just yeah, that is yeah. a, that's a successful person. Um, cause that can motivate mm -hmm. on a material side, but there isn't, um, you don't get remembered for shit like that. You know, like I could have the biggest house on the block, but it doesn't mean that when I'm, I'm dead and gone, anyone's going to remember, oh, that was Tristan's house. No, they're going to remember, oh, like his great grandkids still talk about him. And the mm -hmm. things that he was able to do for the community, for whatever it is that you end up finding, leaving that legacy, it keeps you alive, you know? 100%. Because think about it. Houses get sold. Cars go bad. Money goes. It fades. Mm -hmm. Like, But like you said, your legacy is there forever. The type yeah. of person you were is how you'll be remembered. Like, yeah, in the, that moment of time holy cow that's bugatti it's man sweet. like yep that's a, my <laughs> dude rocking that right now driving uh -huh. that around like it's a cool moment kodak <laughs> moment but like when it's all said and done and it's gone that's gonna be forgotten no one's gonna care that you had that bugatti they're yep. gonna be like oh look at him now now he's it. now he's broke drinking uh bush light on his porch you know yep. like where'd that bugatti go <laughs> And that's what I mean. Like, if you leave a legacy, it's forever. Like, even when you when you have your downfall, because some people will fall. Like, you'll hit the top and you will fall. Like, but if you have that support system that knows the person you are, like, they're gonna get you right back up. And that's what you want. You don't want to be that asshole flexing on everybody. And then when your time comes, because look like a dick because you yeah, lost it. Karma catches you, and people are gonna be like, "Well, that's what happens," and you're not gonna have help. Yeah. And there isn't anything wrong with failure. I think we both kind of agreed upon like failure does bring change, um, depending on how you look at it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're okay and welcome failure as a way to grow, um, it can it can pay off dividends long term. I love it. Especially it's like a chip on my shoulder. Like I love it. Like, yeah. 
if I don't reach a certain goal, that's, that's just like fire and, you know, in the heart right there, like just mm-hmm. to go harder the next time, like me not winning that show, like in Reno, my first show that I did not winning any of the classes and coming in first, like your last, like in my opinion. So it's like on to the next one. Like it's right. not, Oh man, that sucks. Like I suck. I'm not doing it anymore. It's damn. I can't wait till the next one to, you know, do better. Take that. Yeah. Take that mm-hmm. hardware home. I do like that into like college because I know the the content side of things it kind of started then correct essentially yeah it was near the end actually so I graduated 2016 with my degree and the um ACL tear shortly happened I think like a year two years after that if I'm Mm -hmm. not mistaken like 2019 2018 around that time point in time and I literally started the YouTube channel like, taking it seriously. Like, I've made YouTube videos. I've always been interested. I've loved broadcast communication mm-hmm. since high school. I took a broadcast communication course in high school, and I've always loved video editing. Video editing is my main thing that I enjoy with it. It's cool. I'm not handsome enough to be on the screen, and I've never had a radio voice like you. You have a phenomenal radio voice, by hey, the way. Thank I've, you. I'm not even blowing smoke up your, Thanks. your butt, but I've I've known, like, <laughs> from doing radio courses and whatnot and listening to a lot of podcasts you do have that voice like you got to have that voice and yeah i've not necessarily ever had that voice so i've always been a more behind the scene type of guy like run the camera mm-hmm. video edit whatever run the board for the station but so i i've made videos periodically in high school like oh here's my buddy doing donuts in like the parking lot right. or here's I, I would make like i'd have my mom like bless her heart she'd bring a camera to every single baseball game for the season record Every not just her son, like I'd say, Mom, you gotta record the whole team. I'm gonna put a highlight tape together and we're gonna give it at the team party at the end of the year. That's cool. So I'd record like highlight tapes and I am so thankful that she did that and I actually did that because I, I still have the DVDs to this day. And like I said, some of my friends like I haven't seen in years or yeah. they're different places and this point in time and like just going back and watching that and being remembering those memories and whatnot. So I've always had interest in broadcast yeah. communication and Far before but the college, channel then. seriously started when I want to make it professional is when I tore my ACLs laid up couldn't do anything but watch Game of Thrones HBO I think I exhausted every single Netflix show because I literally couldn't move out of bed and then I I literally started watching YouTube seriously like it's been around for a long time obviously yeah. way longer than that period of time I've just never like got into YouTube. Now it's the point where I'm like addicted to YouTube. Like I could watch like how to tie a bow tie and then I could end up in like a whirlwind of like five other random different like Harry Potter, like Harry Potter videos are like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like you just end up sucked in this like cyclone of rabbit hole of inception of YouTube videos. But I started watching like Bradley Martin videos, Sadiq Hadzovic videos. And that's when I got into the bodybuilding realm and I was like Mm -hmm. oh man like I just love their personalities and love the people they were they just seemed like genuine good human beings and it it wasn't the competitive side of bodybuilding Sadiq at the time was catering more towards just well-being people and just making videos like hey if you're going through a hard time this and it was he was showing his transformation about like when he was like about my weight like 132 pounds to him now he's like 240 and yeah straight funk just seeing that in the Bradley Martin videos and actually there's um his name's Ryan Dangler he's actually significantly younger than us he's 21 but 
that's what I mean. Like you can look up to people, even if they're younger than you, if you have the right personality and you're genuine and you, you actually see them put their heart in it. And Ryan Dangler, he's um, an Instagram personality. He's big on YouTube. He's only, I believe, 21 years old, but I started watching his videos too. And I was like, man, this kid's got it too. Like I've seen him on TikTok. Before. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a good dude. And he's, he's down to earth. I've seen him at old school iron. He's a local Ohio kid. I've seen him talking. He'll talk to anybody. He doesn't care. You're take a picture with whoever. And like, he's, he doesn't think he doesn't hold himself above anybody else, even though he's got hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok or whatever mm-hmm. and making money and he's sponsored and you know it's kind of I guess in the fitness inter- industry you'd say he he made it now right. which is the crazy part of society now it's like a bl- technology is a blessing and a curse like you can access any type of information on the internet now you want immediately you can figure out how to get stuff but it's such a curse too to our generation by the fact that like they become no addicted. Kind of how you we were talking earlier with the phone. Like, no one talk, no one knows how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. So when you see a young kid like Ryan, like, communicating with people and being open and just, like, not so sucked into the YouTube and, like, not knowing how to verbally communicate with people, it's, a, it's very, like, a fresh of, you know, it's just... Yeah. It's just fresh to me, like refreshing just to see a young kid able to communicate. Like, and doing you know, it, too. Like, making, making shit happen is kind of mm-hmm. cool to see. Where... I don't know, and and that's where bodybuilding has changed as well. Is it's kind of actually the '80s was obviously the peak, essentially '80s, '90s mm-hmm. with Ronnie Coleman and Dorian and all those Eunice. guys, and obviously like Arnold back then. But um, technology, that's kind of where now you don't need to compete to be something in the fitness industry. Really, mm-hmm. you can make it on YouTube, you can make it on TikTok. And that's kind of where it's separated and people like bodybuilding's even gotten way less of a following and way more blackballed and tabooed because people just, ah, why would I compete when I could just, you know, go make TikToks exactly. <laughs> and make it or and get sponsored or just flex on Instagram shirtless and get thousands of people to like my photo. And fitness, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but fitness is probably one of the biggest money makers with all these supplements and gear i mean there's so much to it there's Um, a lot of money there unfortunately yes you you if you don't do your research and you don't actually which 80 percent of people don't know what to look on the labels people don't read labels when they go grocery shopping they're like oh there's salmon that's healthy but then they don't look on the back and actually look at the macros and micros see how much fat content is how much carb content is i was speaking actually my grandmother the other day and she was asking me, like, what I do food-wise. And mm-hmm. I was like, or, like, you know, what tastes good? And I was like, I don't even eat for taste anymore. As sad as that is, to be honest with you, like, I look at food as macros, micros, like fuel, carbs. Right. How many grams of carbs do I need in this meal? How many grams of protein? I don't care how it tastes, honestly. I'll just eat whatever. But um, the fitness industry, yes, it is very corrupt in the aspect of they get their money for sure yeah they'll sell you this fat burner product say take this pill because there's they're selling it off the generation that we we're speaking of that wants that easy fix that take that magic pill it's going to make me an eight pack or yep. turn me into arnold or take this sarm or take this pro hormone or inject three thousand fucking migs of trend in me and i'm going to be superman no it doesn't matter what you take what you eat, if you're not consistent with it, if you're not dedicated and you don't do your research, you don't train intensely and with purpose. Mm-hmm. There's so, and what I mean train with purpose is there's so many times you'll see 
okay, I got four sets, ten reps on the bench. And you'll just see them go. And then they're done. They're yeah. not even, like, contracting their muscles. They're not even, like, doing that mind-muscle connection. Like, I could do probably a lot more than Johnny down the street with 30-pound dumbbells, and he could do pumping out 10 reps of 80 pounds on, like, benching. Mm-hmm. I promise you, if during the pandemic was good proof that I had in my garage, my little pandemic gym, I got lucky. I actually, like, ordered a squat rack right before it happened. So I had like a full gym in you my know. garage, but I only had 25s, 30s, and 70s for dumbbells. Plates, I had a shit ton. Ton. Probably yeah. like over 500 pounds, which is Damn. unnecessary, which is unnecessary <laughs> amount for me, honestly, because I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I could, like, you give me only 30s to use and say that's all you have for 12 weeks to use. I guarantee I come out looking better than Giant down the street. You're going to make just, something shake. Just because it's, it's not about just going through the motions. You have to actually have that mind muscle connection. You have to feel, you have to contract, and you got to know what you're doing. Like, there's, there's rep schemes, there's, there's drop sets you can do. There's, there's just so many different variables to it, which are, just, it's just a simple fact that people are uneducated about it like we were saying before absolutely can you kind of elaborate because like i've noticed this from watching bradley martin like i told you i don't know much about the the fitness world especially at like a competition level but i do understand that like some of the best workouts on squats and stuff anything really is kind of essentially what you're saying is really envision what you're doing and then like even like when they're doing these reps like they almost like flex when they've completed yes what does that do exactly like what is the purpose of that of contracting the muscle yeah it's it's just more to the fact that you're getting more blood to the muscle okay um you're actually like like i said you're focusing on it more like literally there's other like when you're doing a bench press for example there's secondary muscles you're working right so your goal when working a body group is to isolate that muscle you want to work as much as possible. So, for example, if you're not focused solely on the chest on a, on a, on a bench press, you might be overusing your shoulders too much or your biceps or your triceps. And by doing that, you can, you're just more susceptible to injury mm-hmm. and you're just not getting the maximum amount of, as they say, bro, is a bro science term, gains as you possibly could get. Right. Um, for me being so new into the bodybuilding i've i've learned something new every day um i've been lucky to work with i'd say honestly two of the best coaches in their respective areas um my first coach aaron legend he is based out of toronto he's an ifbb pro men's physique pro um extremely knowledgeable on nutrition um he's one of like i said he's a gold medalist he's competed on the olympia stage as a natural athlete and then now i currently work with um IFBB pro Big Mike Eli, who's also been on the Olympia stage, and he's turned, I believe he told me the other day, 29 athletes pro. Wow. And he's been in the industry for, you know, almost three decades. Mike's changed a lot of lives. So I've, yes. So that, like I said, I've been lucky, and I've been, it's been, uh, I'd say going on six months now with being on Team Big Mike, and it has been an awesome experience. He just getting to know the inner Big Mike, mm-hmm. not the outside and all his accolades, because just to give Mike his due diligence and his kudos, he is a really good guy. Um, he's willing to do anything for his athletes. Um, he actually, we were talking about money in the 
the fitness industry, right? Mm-hmm. And for trainers, they actually lose money on going to their athlete show. You got to think about it. When they go to these shows, they're for a whole weekend. So mm-hmm. normally, if you go to a weekend show Friday, you have your weigh-ins, you're getting your first coat of tanning. Um, sometimes, like for my show, due to the pandemic, you'll have pre-judging on the Friday. Um, and then Saturday, you'll have championships. And mm-hmm. then some shows are just all in one day. Um, really? You can knock all of that weigh-in, tanning, all of it in one day? Some shows, they do it in just one That's day. That's got to be a grind. That's like, what, 12 hours a straight? Mm-hmm. Which I would hate that, personally. I mean, I did... I actually said that wrong. My show was all... Saturday, except for the weigh-ins, was Friday, mm-hmm. and the the first coat of tanning was Friday. But um, so anyways, so yeah, that's a whole weekend where Mike Friday, Saturday, Sunday could be training up to fifty, fifty-five people, Man. making money. You know, because yeah. he'll he'll group. He has such a large clientele. He'll group people together. He'll train like two to three people sometimes at mm-hmm. once. Um. So that's a whole weekend of not training people, and he's focused on his competitive clients, which he can only have maybe like three to five on a show. But at that particular one, right? Looks at us like family, and he wants to support us. So he doesn't care that he's going to lose money in the traveling. He's spending gas money, his mm-hmm. food, and and like that to me is is huge. And just the fact that Mike is willing to sit down with you and talk life with you is huge. Because I was nervous when I when I left. My coach, we were friends before that point. When I tore my ACL, I met my coach, Aaron Legend, at the Arnold Classic, hobbling around on my, I think I had a crutch, or I don't know if I had two crutches at that point in time. I think it was just one. Was this after the scooter? Or were you on crutches first? Yeah, I didn't okay. have the scooter very long, The scooter actually. I've like, heard the, only funny things the, about. The, <laughs> I want to see pictures the of the scooter. The scooter wasn't very long. That was like maybe like a couple weeks or okay, whatever. Okay, that was but... definitely short in <laughs> retrospect. Because... <laughs> Be- the reason that was, though, I would have loved to ride the scooter, honestly, everywhere. But to get the surgery, you have to be able to walk without the crutches oh. forward into the surgery room. Because the more stiff you are when they repair the ACL, it's going to be harder for you to get your range of motion. It will just heal. Okay, straight. so less So you actually have repair. to start moving it around, kind of. <laughs> so I had to graduate from the scooter quickly. Yeah. But it was fun while it lasted. I mean, there was even a Target run. I went to Target, and I rode on, like, one of the scooter things there. But <laughs> that was great. But so I hobbled around the Arnold Classic. Mm-hmm. I went to go to Sadiq, who I was telling you at that point in time was, like, my hero from YouTube, like, Sadiq Hadsovic at the GAT supplement booth. Right. And... Sadiq at that point in time, so this must have been 2018 because Sadiq at that time was competing and uh, he left to go eat a meal. <laughs> so I, did, I went up there to go see Sadiq Hadzovic and he's not even at the booth. And I'm like, crap, well, I don't know any of these people there. Right. Which at the time, I didn't know he was going to be a big name. Big Rammy was there, the current Mr. Olympia for bodybuilding. So the best in the world was sitting there. But at the time, I was like, I don't know who the hell that is. Yeah. Didn't pay him any business. Well, Joke's on me now, but, um, and then there was Aaron, he was standing there and, uh, he's like, Hey, what's up, man? And this is just the type of person Aaron is. And this is why we hit it off from the get and became good friends is mm-hmm. he just came up. He's like, Hey, how's it going, man? And he's like, Oh, what'd you do to the knee? I told him and I said, yeah, it kind of stinks. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's like, well, don't give up. 
He said, don't give up, man. He's like, he's like, I tore my ACL. He's like, I went to the gym on my crutches. And that's what motivated me to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. He's like, don't care about what anyone thinks about you or looking at you in a weird way. He's like, you're just bettering yourself, man. It's you against you. Like, don't worry about other people looking at you that way. Right. And he pulls out his picture with his like, which at the time, like, I didn't know, I didn't really follow the sport that much, didn't know who he was, and it was him in, like, board shorts, shirtless, like, in his, like, his stage photo, probably, mm-hmm. from when he competed on, um, when he got his gold medal, I'm assuming, and he signed it, and he said, legends lead by example, and he said, um, good luck with the comeback, and then after that, a lot of people would have left it at that with mm-hmm. his status. I didn't know at the time he was basically a celebrity. Like he had 38,000 followers on Instagram Damn. and had a YouTube following. And I didn't know he was number one in, you know, the men's physique world in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so at that time, you know, a normal person of his status would probably leave it at that. And that's it. He gave me his number. He, he proceeded to give me his personal phone number after that and followed me on Instagram and said, if you ever need anything, contact me. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, Aaron Legend, I'm thankful. He changed my life forever from that point. Anytime I'd go like, man, I just want to drink or like I want to do this, like I want to party. I don't even care about working out. Like I'm never going to get better, never right. going to improve. Nothing's going to change. Aaron always told me, nah, dude, just keep going. Never give up every day. And like... As it went on, a year later, that's when I was like, all right, like, I trust you now as a person. Like, let's do it. Like, be my coach. Mm-hmm. So he started recomping my body, and that's when I went through a dramatic change. And then that's when everyone's like, holy cow, Troy, like, looks way different now. He recomped my body totally. No plans to do a show. Just helped me through yeah. the physical therapy and eating properly like he just changed my whole view on food like in the way i look at food like i haven't had like mcdonald's in like five years eight years i'll never eat that again like and just the simple fact that that's when i started looking at and macros and micros he would send me my nutrition program and be on an excel document breaking everything down to the last gram i knew mm-hmm. what i was putting in my body and um following that that's when the pandemic hit you were cool with that sacrifice like did it not matter to you I mean, as an Italian, I'm assuming that you love food. No, <laughs> I love food. Okay. You can ask my girlfriend. So that was a sacrifice. Like, okay, I uh, I do love food. I'm a fat kid, and I like, you know, this body, a jock's body, I guess. <laughs> um, I call it a jock. Cause I like bodybuilding wise, people look at me and they, yeah, like, man, he's big. He's he's probably he probably lifts weights or something. Yeah, dude, but you're like, a fucking unit. But now that I'm in the bodybuilding world, like, I'm very hard on myself. I don't consider like me a bodybuilder yet like mm-hmm. we're just getting started but um i am a fat kid and like <laughs> i love food i love chicken wings i like burgers and pizza but for me i'm just a very disciplined person i can easily i've eaten chicken and rice you can my coworkers make fun of me mm-hmm. to this day they're like what's for lunch chicken and rice yep that's what i've had the last three to four years every day for damn lunch is essentially my main food sources chicken rice sweet potatoes quinoa eggs so and yeah and it's i'm assuming in the purest form or an organic form the the best you can potentially find Mm -hmm. and now it's to the point where i've just done it for so long it doesn't phase me and Mm -hmm. um i feel actually guilty when i go off of my regiment and my meal plan if like mike gives me two cheap meals a week in my because i'm in my off season Mm -hmm. and even when i eat 
the cheat meal. I try to keep it clean as possible. I still feel like guilty after because it's not what I was supposed to do. Because that's the way bodybuilding is. You, you can go on stage and just be thankful to be there, and it could be like a bucket list thing. But mm-hmm. when you're a competitor like me, and you want to win, and you want to beat the last physique that you put on stage, every day matters, even your off season. Right. It's not like oh, I can go have four pieces of pizza today and then after that go to frankie's italian cuisine and have nice spaghetti meatballs and eat this and this and like that all matters like when it comes down to it like Mm -hmm. every day you trained up to that show matters right it's just like people are like oh it's just one day not to me i'm like that could be one day i could be beating someone's ass like getting better so it's that's just the competitor to me but that's kind of something i've had to live with and calm down with too because it will drive you nuts like it it really will like that was the hardest part about the show prep was just neglecting time from people i care about and family like every day Mm -hmm. like preparing the meals like obviously eating the meals even takes time you got to eat every two to three hours like i'd have six meals a day to this point with my shakes and just prepping the meals, doing my nine to five job, um, trying to make time for my girlfriend and her son. And, you know, I do my cardio and posing and it's, it's a 24 seven thing. It really occupies your mind for the Mm -hmm. whole day. And if you don't do all those little things that you're supposed to do, those are just the basic things you have to do to actually look the way you would. If, and if you want to win, you got to go above that. So it's just like anything else. Like you can do the things you got to do just to get by, but if you want to be a champion and you want to be actually a household name or you want to you want to be a big name, you have to do the extras. Yeah, and make tons of sacrifices. And that's in you anything know? you do in life. You want to be one of the best podcasters in the world, you have to continually put out content every week. If you want to be the best painter in the world, you should be painting every single fucking day. Like mm-hmm. it, it translates to anything in life, just... If you want to be the best at your craft or you you want to be successful at your craft, you have to have constant repetitions of it. Be obsessed. Because there's always someone working harder than you. Always. Do you tell yourself that? Like when you're you're training to keep yourself hungry, do you tell yourself, you know, Johnny down the street Um, is doing more reps than me? (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't have to tell myself that. I just know that. Yeah, right. By the fact that with my switch to um, Team Big Mike and – seeing the success of my own teammates and mm-hmm. how they've like they've done more shows than me but they've also like they've been there and they placed like in the places that I hope to get to mm-hmm. eventually and just going to old school iron in Brook Park which is one of the most competitive gyms in Ohio it's you know it's a it's primarily a powerlifting gym but there's bodybuilders there mm-hmm. and just seeing that competition and I'm like seeing where they're at now and even though i'm just getting started that's just an excuse though just because right i'm getting started doesn't that's doesn't mean i can't beat them or do better than them it just means i gotta work harder than them and that is a chip on my shoulder right there it's Mm -hmm. it's not a hate thing i think what we were talking about earlier is with people with people um i guess not cheering for people's downfall but like like for example my my teammate from high school, Brandon Sittinger, he just got called up to the Diamondbacks. Hell yeah. So for me, that's so motivating for me. Mm-hmm. It's like I can, but I use it in a different way. I'm not like, oh man, Brandon got there. My life like sucks. Or I'm not as successful. I got to go harder. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, 
I want to, it's, com- it's a competition with myself. I'm like, I want to outdo Brandon, so I'm right. going to go harder. Like, he made it there, so I got to outdo him. I got to win my next show, In get Minecraft. this pro, you know what I mean? So yep. it's like, and I wish society as a whole could be more like that. I think people who yeah. bring others down is because they're not working as hard. Like, misery loves saying. company. Normally, if someone's talking smack on you or dragging your name through the mud, it means they they haven't achieved what you have, and they're either a jealous or b lazy and not willing to work. Is okay, like whatever. You don't have to like that person, but like don't degrade don't degrade their work exactly they, what they took to get to that point just because you don't like them work harder and that's the biggest middle finger you could send someone like if you have beef with someone and they're at a higher point than you are in your life and more successful as we were talking about earlier in right. their terms then work harder beat mm-hmm. them you know that is that is a middle finger too and that's, that's an eternal finger. middle finger yeah like i'm not gonna go comment on like there's not many people I don't like, but I'm not going to go on someone I don't like, comment on their first place finishing their show and be like, oh, yeah, you only had three people in your class, though. No wonder why. you." <laughs> no, instead, I'm just going to go do a bigger, badder show, mm-hmm. win that fucking show. Take home some hardware. And right there and not say anything. Let my work and, you know, actions do the talking. I'm not much of a smack talker. Like, we were talking earlier about how women, when they fight, like, they get it's to scary. It. They just get after it. Like... <laughs> I'm that same way. Like I don't, I don't talk. I just let, I just put my head down, keep to myself, and work. And that's, I think, the biggest middle finger you can do to someone. Because if someone doesn't like you in return, like they're gonna be keeping an eye on you, and they're gonna see that. That like, man is the threat. People with that mentality are a true threat. Because mm-hmm. yeah, there's no, uh, there's no ego. There's no mind games. It's it's stri- simply business. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's, that's just scary. how I've always been Mm -hmm. i've never been the one to be the cocky guy who's going to be like some people you have to find what fuels you and your own motivation so some people that works for them like some people you got the chad johnson some people yeah that fires you up and Mm -hmm. like there's nothing wrong with that like if you want to be that type of person i'm not saying that's wrong like that's not the wrong way like you got to find what works for you and gets you to the point you want to get to so if your thing is hey i'm going to score four touchdowns on your ass today and post it on their instagram and that's that's your fuel go for it but me personally that's just not me i have my own ways of motivating myself and like simply like the fact that i just want to enter peace with myself and be able to look in the mirror in the end of the day and be happy Mm -hmm. and i think that what makes me more of a threat than the person posting on your Instagram, hey, I'll see you in October at the show. Right. Beat your ass on the stage. Like, I'd rather fly under the radar. No one know my name. Like, the trenches is where I belong. I, I don't even want to be on the top of the totem pole. I think that's when things will actually become more difficult for me. Like, if I actually grow in the sport and get a spotlight on me, that'll, that'll be harder for me to handle than it is now being at the bottom. Like, yeah. To me, I'm comfortable at the bottom. No one watching me, no one caring about me, no one knowing about my name. I can just show up to a show, look good as fuck, and then people be like, who the fuck is that? Right. And blow up, and blow up their scene. I'd rather, right now, I'm way more comfortable with that, and it's going to be an interesting transition when I eventually get to that point where people do know my name, I am on their radar, mm-hmm. that's going to get taken used to. Yeah, I mean, think about when the blue check mark goes next to your name. I mean, at that point, you've, <laughs> yeah. you've put in the legwork. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's small steps. And that's something I've had to kind of understand in my own lane in life. 
you know, small steps towards perfection, not even just perfection towards progress. You know, like I can set a milestone and it might potentially take a month, but if I only set, you know, Hey, I've got three days to figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. I'll do it in three days. Sure. You know, and I got put onto that saying like, not that long ago, like the amount of time you give yourself for your goals, obviously within reason, if science doesn't defy that, then <laughs> I can't just shred like that's such a good pounds, point you made you know? there. Like, you got to be realistic with your goals. I tell people, like, obviously, you know, when you get to a certain age, you got to give up on like a certain. Like, you're probably not going to be a center in the NBA if you're five foot two and you're <laughs> right. 32 years old. So you got to be like realistic about your goals. But yeah, you got to take your time, and there's no rush. And that's the. But that is what we live in now, man. It's people want that quick fix, and there's 16 year olds at my gym asking me like. Oh, what should I take? Should I take a pro hormone or should I take I'm like, dude, you're 16 Damn. years old. You should be drinking chocolate milk and eating like peanut butter and just lift heavy, man. Like you're so yeah. and eat everything in the sight. Like like what are it's you It's so different you when you're a doing? kid. Like, when you're just training, you just it, it is different when you're young. And that's the difference to me. I will never abuse anything and go over the top just to reach something at a certain it's my speed like I like I said I yeah, I want to win every show I do, I want a pro card, but that's not why I do it for. Like, I'm just chasing my ideal physique that I'm happy with. And I don't care if it takes like 18 years to get it. Like I'd rather do that than sell out, sell my soul just for one fucking win. And that's it. Like, you know, that's just not me. I think people, they rush to get somewhere and it, it hurts them in the long run. They're not patient. Mm -hmm. And I get, that like not being patient because it it sucks like when you're not where you want to be it's it's depressing sometimes but at the end of the day you'll you'll get there if if you just do your due diligence you're consistent consistency is key anything in life you want to absolutely if you're consistently doing the right things you're constantly working hard the chips are going to fall in the right spot eventually yes you it's just it's just it's like odds. A, it's, it's like gambling odds. odds. Yeah, yeah. It's got gambling. Yeah, like they're just gonna eventually fall. Like right. there's there's no way you can be working out every day and stay fat forever. You can't miss a hundred percent, hundred percent of the shots you do take. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if you really do, then you're copping shacks at like, the free throw. There's no way you're not gonna be able to not learn how to do a tattoo if you're practicing every day. Like right. there, there's just like there's just no way. Like it's gonna eventually happen. It's just where people mess up and they fall off is they just give up too quickly they don't give it enough time whereas like that's where i'm thankful for aaron i was that type of person like i would i would quit like Mm -hmm. honestly i truthfully would quit when things would get harder want to quit at least or i'd fall back to like like something like drinking or something that'd make me feel good at the time or i thought made me feel good and i'd fall into that trap like Mm -hmm. go into my emotions but now I've learned, like, it's okay to fail and not be where you want to be. Yes, I'm my own biggest critic. I'm extremely hard on myself to this day. But when it comes down to it, I do know deep down inside, like, I am doing well. It's going in the right direction. It's trending. Keep doing it, and it's going to keep falling. Because, look, you've yes. already done it. Like, I fall back to what I've already done, and I know I can improve on that. Absolutely. And that is something... Um not to be off topic. My mom is like very in tune with like the universe and things like that. And she's always kind of said like, if you are in your desired field, following a dream or doing what you enjoy doing, and you are putting in that work, the universe will naturally gift you things. 
100%. and you know recognize it be grateful for it but continue to put in the work because sure. those gifts will get bigger and better unintentionally and unexpectedly you know and mm-hmm. and that is kind of the cool thing is to see where the progress goes from here you know you gotta be able to take small victories like yes my my coach and me had the same mentality like if you're not if you didn't come in first you didn't win your show like he posted something our team group page the other day oh it was a stacked class aka you lost <laughs> like yeah that's true like a lot of people make excuses make excuses but at the same time though we're like i did kind of disagree with that post is you do have to take don't make excuses but you do got to take small victories like instead of saying like hey, my class had 25 people in it, like, which my show did. Mm-hmm. And it was stacked, which mine was. And everyone was like a decade older than me, done eight shows. Yeah, I'm not going to ever say that that's the reason I lost. But I got to give myself, like, if you're just constantly throwing negatives at yourself, like, oh, I made four airs today. Or, oh, like, I don't know, I, I didn't win the show. Like, you're just going to quit because you don't have anything to hang your head on at the end of the day as a positive. Right. My dad actually giving him kudos as a coach he always no matter what he'd rip our asses even if we blew out a team 10 to nothing he'd say every fucking thing we did wrong uh he didn't use two hands in this pop-up sprint to the dugout after the inning quit taking your damn time out there celebrating showboating but then he'd always end with a positive yeah you always end with a positive and i believe that in anything in life like mm-hmm. for you guys for your podcast you can have a like yeah we didn't reach this many views or listens this week but we did have one more than we had the week before right you know so you got to take like small victories and i yeah. believe that's kind of how you you can motivate yourself to keep going as well mm-hmm. like you are improving as long as you're seeing improvement at some t- point no matter how minuscule the the you know the, the improvement is, is right. it's still improvement and you're still going somewhere Absolutely. Leading up to the the big events, the the competitions, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, obviously, once you arrive, once weigh-ins happen, mm-hmm. we've had someone on the show who said something that honestly uh, sticks with me. Anytime I have someone in the weight-cutting world on, and he said, I think every person should have to do a weight cut at least once in their life to see if they can push themselves to that level. Like, can they do it? You learn yeah, a lot about yourself. You do. What's a weight cut like for you, and where are you mentally in that process? <sighs> well, as stated before, <laughs> I love food. So yeah. that was, there's, um, it depends what your coach's philosophy is. Some coaches believe diet, and some people believe more cardio. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, um. Like I said, both my coaches, one, my current one, Mike, being older, believes in more diet. And then my last coach believed in cardio, in my opinion, even though I also wasn't eating a lot. Mm -hmm. I was doing uh, three days a week fasted cardio for 50 minutes in the morning at one point in show prep, one point like just 500 calories burnt, and then post-workout 50 more minutes. So it was nearly like... You put on a sauna suit and shit like that? No. Okay. So it was nearly like two hours of cardio a day at that point. And then I was eating, which is like a lot for some people, but I was only eating 2,100 calories. But to give you an idea of it essentially cut my calories in half. At the peak of, I started prep 
last year at 210 is when I started my 16-week prep. I was at 4,450 calories. Because of those six meals and things like that, like that. Yeah, by the end of peak week, I believe I was at 2,045 calories. Which doesn't seem a lot, but here's where you're going to get good context. So um, I went from like 160 grams of fat in my off-season daily to the week of my show, I was 24 grams of fat, which is very unsafe. That's when you get brain fog. And mind you, I work a job where I need to be mentally there and function. I'm work like there's lives at stake for my day job. So for your listeners who don't know, I'm a quality test technician, data specialist. I'm working with high pressure oil vessels and things that go into the oil fields and the Navy uses. And, mm-hmm. you know, if our vessels fail, they can kill people. Yeah, so little room for air. So yeah, it's, it's just something I need to mentally be able to be there and be aware. And it was so hard during show prep. Like I took off like when I could, but I'm one of the only few people at my company, like I don't have many backups for me. So I can't mm-hmm. always just willy nilly take off whenever. Right. So I was doing the show prep and cutting like while working my nine to five while still trying to like Damn. maintain, re- you know, relationships with family, friends and whatnot. And, uh, it's just mentally frustrating. Like there'd be times I'd get home and just want to break down. I'd be like, babe, like, I can't do this anymore. It's like taking time from you. Like, is this worth it just to get on stage and like do some poses and mm-hmm. like flex? And then like, but it was so hard. Cause I did this first show I dedicated to my friend, Alexis Sharkey, who passed, she uh, unjustly had her life taken from her in last Thanksgiving, and I dedicated the whole show to her. I was like, I'm going to do this show for her. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she should be here right now, and she would want to do the things she loves to do. Yeah. So I'm just going to do something that I've always wanted to do, and I'm just going to go for it now. I'm not going to be scared anymore to be who I am and do what I want to do. I'm going to start bodybuilding. I don't care what people think anymore. Like, right. I don't care if I get judged or get called the steroided fucking meathead or mm-hmm. wherever I go out, always constantly get looked at. Like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to go for it and do it. And it's going to mentally make me happy and in a better spot. Right. So with her, like, you know, like dedicating the show to her, it kind of kept me going, didn't give up. And then my girlfriend played a huge partner she she always told me not to give up and you made it this far like keep going and but it's just you're constantly hungry obviously that's an obvious like anytime mm-hmm. you do a any type of diet you're obviously going to be hungry if you're taking in less food than you are but the hardest part was like the brain fog like there'd be times where I'd forget something that's simple like just short-term memory loss and just not being able to focus dozing off right and like you're dozing off and you're so tired but you can't sleep. Like I had like insomnia during show prep. Like I was only getting like four to five hours of sleep, if that, like Damn. average, which some people it's a lot. But for me, like that was n- like not enough sleep. Like It's your recovery time too. Mm-hmm. Your body truly needs it. A hundred percent. And that's been my goal this for the next show and next off season, I have a way better sleep schedule, way better recovery. Mm-hmm. That's something I do need to significantly improve on. But the hardest part about it was simply the brain fog for me, just not always being there, always being tired, mm-hmm. always being physically tired. The workouts didn't really suffer from, honestly, the the cut. Um, I maintained a lot of my strength, actually. I didn't really lose much, but 
Um, my last coach's training philosophy was very different. It was more essentially like a hit style training. I was doing supersets and giant sets. And for your listeners who don't know what that is, a superset is when you go from one exercise immediately to the other without rest. A giant set is when you do um, two to three exercises, say just randomly bench, deadlift, squat without rest. Mm -hmm. So I would do, for example, on chest day, like incline dumbbell bench press with inclined flies and then go do the pec deck. Like all in one sitting. So all like in one boom, set. Boom, so boom, four boom. sets of each exercise, 15 to 20 reps. Oh, shit. You're doing all of... Okay. Damn. And that's one portion of the workout. That's a gnarly workout right there, dude. So I was doing that on low calories. And Mike's isn't far off. Like, mm-hmm. there's only so many different vari- variations you can do when it comes to training. Like, like I said, what it comes down to and separates you is the intensity and consistency of the intensity and um the contractions and mind muscle connection in my opinion Mm -hmm. because every coach who's done it who has um certifications in the sport there's only so many exercises you can do it's Mm -hmm. not like we're inventing like new things really necessarily and new machines it's the basics like squat deadlift bench Curls. You're a free weight fan, though, at heart. Um, I love free weights, but bol- um, since I've transitioned to bodybuilding, truthfully, like machines are the new Pretty wave perfect now. Perfect form. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of just for not just for form, just for longevity. Um, you're obviously gonna stick around more doing a bench press machine versus barbell bench press, which mm-hmm. is terrible for your shoulders. Which sucks because it. So you're better off either doing good. dumbbells, which is isolated, so you're also getting the stabilization muscles, and then a machine. So um, barbell bench, I've only done inclines recently, but I haven't flat barbell benched in almost like two years. People ask me how much I bench all the time. Mm-hmm. That's like the main caveman question it's I get asked. the most Chad thing to get asked. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's so cringe, <laughs> honestly. Like, I hate it. Like, I really do dislike that yeah. question, but I get it asked all the time first thing i'll just be with her at a restaurant or a bar and some guy he's probably like six beers deep comes over and he's like hey bro how much you bench and i'm just like oh so cringe dude's got his gym shark tee on nothing yeah. against gym shark i'm just saying so dude probably the time, isn't in there working now out. i just like respond with i don't need, i don't work out or yeah. like i just i don't know i try to chat him back <laughs> if you're gonna ask me a chad question it's like hard for me to take it seriously especially you know? like, if you guys are out to eat i thought maybe in the gym someone would approach you to ask you simple questions but that's believe, that's a different ball game believe it or not no like the only time and I'm more forgiving about it. I'll get asked questions like that in the gym if it's a young, young kid, which um, out of my two gyms, Grafton Barbell being my home gym currently, during prep it was old school iron. Mm-hmm. Grafton Barbell, there's a younger demographic there, and I get asked more commonly there questions like that. And right. and I understand at that point they're just it's young lack kids, of knowledge, and I'm they sure. just don't know. Yeah. So I, I actually do like take the time to address, like, no, I don't really, like, bench heavy it's not weight's kind of irrelevant for me it's more and then i explain the contraction and mm-hmm. and whatnot whereas um my other gym no i don't get asked that because everyone I, means business yeah yeah old school iron is like i said a very competitive gym and everyone's very knowledgeable there and that's why 
I loved my show prep there is because it was one of those things where there's always bigger dudes there. There's always more knowledgeable people there. And you remain a student. And that's where I like, that's mm-hmm. who I like to train with. I mainly like to train by myself, just blast tunes and work out by myself because mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to slow myself down. I know I'm going to focus the whole time. But if I'm going to train with a partner, they either have to be bigger than me, stronger than me, or more knowledgeable in the subject of, you know, fitness and working out right. than me. So that's when the vlog got interesting as well. My YouTube is I tried to bring on, because when I explain to people, I'm not certified nutritionist. I'm still learning. I'm not certified trainer. So to me, when I speak, it's everything I've learned from everybody else. Right. It's, it's not, I'm the most knowledgeable, like to that, like a lot of times I'll still say bro term and terminology when it comes to working out, because I really don't know the science behind a lot of things I do. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm just coachable and I trust people and I see they're successful. I'm like, well, Hey, if they achieve this doing that, and you know, there must be something to it. Right. I think that's just kind of common sense. I think the more you surround yourself with successful people or what you term as successful or people who've done it, or you've seen them achieve a certain status, and you do some of the things that they do or they tell you to or you pick their brain, like you should be always picking their brain. Like right. if someone wants to start a podcast, they should be talking to you like right now, hitting you up on Instagram and being like, you know, hey, what, how'd you get started or what equipment should I buy? And like, mm-hmm. what have you found works for you? And that's all I've taken that mentality with is with bodybuilding. I've just gone and I've not been afraid to talk to bigger guys. I've not been intimidated or had an ego like people have an ego and that's an issue too they're like oh like i'm not gonna go talk to that guy like i'm bigger than him or i'm gonna be bigger i'll just keep doing this or i'm gonna take more of this or do this whereas me i'm the complete opposite like i don't care if i'm gonna compete against you in a month yeah we'll be like enemies on stage but right now like like tell me what you're doing like obviously like your your quad development looks crazy right now like what have you been doing for legs or what do you what do you you know what are you eating or Mm -hmm. how are you recovering like are you getting like deep tissue massages every month or every other week like just simple things like that and i've taken that into the bodybuilding world right so old school iron answer your question no i don't get asked questions like that generally like i said people are more knowledgeable on the subject there and they they're not going to ask me those kind of things the public it's more just it's more business there too it's really not much conversation honestly going on there which was weird to me that was the thing i didn't like there Mm -hmm. versus Grafton is Grafton is like it's like family to me there like it's like another home there's people like who are really good people there who I could just BS about their day and how it's going and I like that because right the gym essentially is my bar now and my way of socializing with people mm-hmm. so when it comes to the workout I'm all business but before I work out or after my training session's over I love to talk to people see how their day's going see what they've been up to outside of fitness and like I said, that's like my bar. <laughs> that's how you build a rapport. Yeah, absolutely. And that, is, I mean, it is very cool, especially the amount of time you devote. On average, what would you say you, how much time you think you put in a week? In competition. Oh my goodness. In a competition prep? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It, like I said, it's it's 24-7. Well, yeah, I guess with your, do- I mean, everything, yeah. that there's, that there's is no, um, your downtime would be sleeping. Because you're going to be between that posing. Um, I would devote about an hour to half an hour a day to posing alone. Mm-hmm. 
um, immediately post-workout I'd pose while your muscles are basically pumped up. I'd pose when I get home after I shower, and then sometimes in the morning when I wake up and I'm like nothing in me. And then, uh, like I said, your cardio, and then you're cooking the actual food. and Right, your prep. And there's just, yeah. Um, non, and off-season, generally gym time, like weightlifting is about 45 minutes to an hour. Post past, Unless you're working out with a partner, then it probably goes like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But anything po- past an hour is actually counterproductive to working out, really. Really? Yeah, you want to get in and get out, and at a certain point, you've broken down your muscles to the point where they're not really like, you're not really breaking them down anymore. And they're just, it's just, you, you're going to get more cortisol, and it's just not. It's, it's the soreness and stuff like that. It's just counterproductive, really, past that point. So I'd say like an hour of weight training to an hour and 15, and then about half an hour. Uh, I honestly have been terrible about the cardio this offseason. Mike's been getting on me, but it was 20 minutes. Now he bumped it to 30 minutes. And then, like I said, I try to pose after that. Mm-hmm. So you're and almost in the, the gym for about skills. two hours, and that's not counting. You're like... If you do bullshit with someone, just talk sports or whatever, mm-hmm. that could be 10 to 15 minutes. And then that's not accounting for, you know, like I said, the, the drive time or right anything like that. Now, with the posing, is that because I mean, obviously, like that's what you see. Like, that's what I see on TikTok is a lot of the times those dudes just like hitting those wild moves. It looks like a statue almost, essentially. Is that when you're not in competition or leading up to, to see what still needs to be worked on? Like, what are you looking for when you're, um, you guys are doing that? So most people I'd say do it to see what they need to improve on or just mm-hmm. to like kind of like an ego thing or just, um, I don't know, just for, like I said, the clout, mm-hmm. but really it's kind of what we spoke on earlier about repetitions. It's posing is the most important thing out of anything you do. Honestly, you could have, the best physique in the world but if you can't present it you can lose yeah simply by um posing in certain ways angling certain ways you can make your lats two inches bigger or you can make them look smaller than what they actually are Mm -hmm. if you're not opening them up properly so i pose year-round at least i made it my goal to pose every day until my next show is just to improve my craft on it Mm -hmm. like just to I want to want to be known for that. Like, man, Troy's a good po- like good at posing, and that was one of the biggest things I hung my hat on for my first show. It wasn't that I placed in all four classes I did in one of the biggest shows in the nation. On my first show, I hung my hat on. I spoke with the judges after to see what I needed to work on for the next off season. Which, That's cool. That which is tips. what Big Mike like. Big Mike helped me through my last prep, just like because he was physically here Mm -hmm. aaron was in toronto canada so it was all online based yeah and that was pretty much it was like a tough decision but the switch i made it because aaron isn't physically here yeah can't physically look at me can't physically come to my show especially with the pandemic he couldn't leave canada so he wasn't even at my first show right which is nerve-wracking um just the fact that the judges though and mike says after every show he has his athletes go talk to the judges and see what they got to work on so when he told me that I did that after my show, they obviously said, um, legs. Cause everybody, you can have enormous legs. You can never have big enough legs though. You can always improve on your legs. It doesn't matter legs if you, crazy it doesn't matter shows. if you got ham bones hanging out of your, your shorts. Like they always say legs, like you always can have bigger and more conditioned legs. 
And um, they told me, on a positive though, they said, your posing was beyond your experience level. They said my posing was very good. Um, they said there was a couple things I could work on with it, obviously, but they said for my experience level, it was very good. And hey, I took that. Show. And I was like, well, the thing I did was pose for like two years straight with Aaron. So mm-hmm. it was like, even when I wasn't even close to doing a show, so I'm just going to continue that. And right. So it's just repetitions is mainly why I do it. But, I love that. I like that though. Like the constant effort because it is twenty four seven. I guess that was like a, a pretty <laughs> I know broad I wish, question. <laughs> I, I guess I should have asked like how much time you spend in the gym. But yes, even down to sleep. Like sleep isn't necessarily a break, especially if you have to program your recovery time. Like I have to be in bed by nine thirty or ten, mandatory. Like that's still sticking to your daily regimen. You know. Yeah. The- um, to give more of an idea, I guess, for your question, like, because I guess it's I'm putting in like lame in terms too, because it's it is like I'm kind of under, I'm underselling it. That. Like, people are like, oh, sleep, food, whatever. So here's here was my day when I'm in show prep. I would wake up at 4 a.m., drive my ass in a blizzard to Old School Iron when it's freezing. I'm the first one, like one of the first three people in that bitch, mm-hmm. do my cardio, go home shower make my three meals that i take to work like not make them they're already made from the night prior but Mm -hmm. i'm like putting them in the containers weighing them out because i have to weigh everything that's your thing like you're not just dumping food in a container i'm weighing everything on a scale like i look like i'm dealing drugs out my apartment because i got this like (laughs) food scale and i'm bringing so i'm weighing out my food feed the dogs make sure like actually the the things you got to do to be a good homeowner and whatnot and a good like partner in life and you know for your significant other making sure all those common things are done too the garbage is taken out like that's what people are forgetting like i'm mm-hmm. not only doing all this stuff but i'm still doing all the same daily things that you do yeah i'm taking out the trash i'm doing the dishes i'm you know cleaning the house i'm doing whatever like i'm still doing those things mm-hmm. and then on top of it so i leave go to work work 7 to 3 30 get home when i get home i eat my meal i spend basically this is how little time i get to spend with my girlfriend i spent basically an hour digesting that food before the gym and that's why i'm so thankful to have had her like her and like her son like she she can't just leave her son there on like attended for so mm-hmm. basically i'd give her an hour and she'd actually she'd only have an hour to go do what she had to do like go to planet fitness tan grocery shower whatever right and then okay like i'm back now troy's gotta go mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is like six o'clock go to the gym drink my pre-workout there train till about 7 30 then i do my posing till 7 50 and then about an hour of cardio and stretching get home shower eat and then cook all my meals for the next day. And this is getting around Damn. like 10, 11 o'clock. And then finally, 10 or 11 o'clock at night, sit down, maybe chill, watch some Netflix, go to bed. Mm-hmm. And, and right back at it the next repeat. day. Repeat. That is... Uh, I couldn't. It's awesome. I do envy you for that. <laughs> uh, and that's insane. And the thing is, like we were speaking about the brain fog not being there. And the thing I learned from it is it's something you are choosing to do. So I'd never, like besides to her, vent to her, I would never complain or take it out on someone else. And if I did, I'd feel bad. Like if you're mm-hmm. a jerk during your show prep or you're, you know, you're going for a pat on your back, like by saying, oh, I'm doing this. I never would do that. I, I knew from the get it's something I wanted to do. 
enjoyed doing it was my choice so mm-hmm. never complained or took it out on other people at least right i do like which that which people tend to do <laughs> i and i think that's in a lot of areas in life where people are struggling to see growth you know like people definitely tend to get very very upset what are your what are some of your goals moving forward with the um, bodybuilding mm-hmm. just everything you know with with your content what do, um, what do you plan to do say in the next year so the the next big content wise i've kind of been mauling that over what i want to do because the thing i need to work on with that is more consistently posting Mm -hmm. but my philosophy was and what i disclosed with my (laughs) very small amount of subscribers that i have on youtube was hey the bodybuilding is going to come first not the youtube i'm sorry Mm -hmm. like i'm going to try to continue to post and inspire you and help you guys out as much as possible always answer questions if you message me Mm -hmm. but i believe if you want to be successful in life you have to go all in on that and put your whole being in it and your whole heart in it right so when i was in prep the youtube kind of took the side because i started um a road to my show which was my last season i posted on youtube and i truthfully i think after seven weeks out i stopped doing it completely i was like there's no way i can balance doing the quality of youtube that i want to put out there Mm -hmm. because it became less about just posting and posting and posting and posting dog crap versus like i want to kind of make it cool and actually like the video quality good the editing good and bring them the best content i could bring and the real me i could bring to like uh the editing time that's like half an hour to an hour you know of time i'm not gonna get back for the show Mm mm-hmm and half an hour, an hour of editing is nothing. Like, that's actually very sloppy, quick editing for editing, you know, videos on YouTube, in my opinion. Like, from my experience in Dude, broadcast communication. Like, I think if you're not putting, like, three to four hours in editing it, something, it's not going to come out, like, professionally. It's going to be, it could be good. Like, mm-hmm. I have good videos for the amount of time I spent on it it's a hobby so i'm not really gonna put more than half an hour to an hour into the youtube you know it's it's right. a fun hobby that i try to put out there but i'm not gonna put three to four hours in youtube because my goal isn't to be the top youtuber in the world mm-hmm. or anything like that but um so the last series followed road to my show and after seven weeks out i was like eh. can't do it so i recorded Obviously, the whole point of it was road to my show. So on show day, my cousin Colin came out with me to Reno, Nevada. He, we brought the camera. I recorded a little bit of it. But then I just kind of got lucky that the show was live streamed, and it was TV quality because it was one of Center Podium was the company that put on the show, and they put on all the West Coast shows for bodybuilding. Right. And Chris Mims, like that dude, is phenomenal. He's a wizard, man. Like these shows are top of the line. Like he. Uh, for Dave Lieberman's one out here at the palace in October, he actually is helping him out with that one. So I'm interested to see That's how dope. that one turns out. Cause be Chris cool. Mims like and center podium put on a hell of a show. Like the live stream was very unexpected. The quality, like my mom, the day of the show texted me like, Hey, I, I, I got the live uh, pay-per-view cause mm-hmm. you had to pay to get it. It was like oh, I'm sure. 25, 50 bucks or whatever for prejudging and, uh, the championships, but then, like, um, after my show, I was looking at, like, family tagging me in videos because they were watching it at, like, some local, like, restaurant or... Oh, it was on TV, TV. Whatever. They just, like, posted the pay-per-view, 
and it was like 30 people in the room watching. I was like stunned. I was just like, oh, I was cool. kind of embarrassed at that time because I <laughs> wanted to do the show out west so like no one would see me really because I was like, I just, that would, I don't know, that was too nerve wracking for my first one to do a local one. Absolutely. Plus, I wanted to challenge myself, go out west. Like, I didn't want to be a big fish in a small pond. I wanted to see where I really stood and what I really, like, what I could really do in the sport, mm-hmm. where I could go. And uh, the quality was so good, I just screen recorded half of it because I still had my mom's login to the pay-per-view. And I right. took that, put that in the YouTube video, and that was it. It was very lazy editing towards the end. But this next season, I want to bring something different. I've been recording a little bit into the off-season. Um, but I want to go more into lifestyle, more than just simple bodybuilding. Um, so I don't want to simply just post my training and then that's it. Hey, see you later. See you next week. Mm-hmm. I think I do need to bring more of my personality in it. Right. Who is Troy? Yeah. And just bring more content like that. So I've been recording and I think my idea with the next season is to record as much as possible. And even though it won't be live time, which is normal, like I like to do is like people actually be able to follow it live time. I think mm-hmm. I'm just going to record edit every episode and then I think consistently posting will be better than following it in live time being sloppy not the best so right. i'm gonna record the whole season edit the whole season and then i'm gonna post it that'll be cool and a, a true vlog style is always for me being like also being obsessed with youtube is something i've always enjoyed like actually seeing what the day-to-day is for a lot of people you know people you wouldn't normally be able to follow around and you mm-hmm. know and it's and it is personal you know carrying that i know sometimes time <laughs> Just people in general, like you see me carrying around that giant thing, and they're like, "What the fuck?" Tommy's a, actually a wizard on that. Yeah, drone shots. And it's just like you know, you just like want to show people that you, how we were speaking earlier, you're more than that Bugatti. You're mm-hmm. more than the bodybuilding. So I, I think what I have kind of failed to do, which I originally didn't plan on doing with the vlog, was to show that I'm more than just this in the bodybuilding and my right. personality. Which I think a couple episodes early, early on I tried to do. I think I, one of my best ones that had the most views was the Cleveland Browns draft party vlog. That's probably sweet. It's actually pretty good, and it's actually one of my best ones on YouTube that's done the best. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, yeah, it's mainly just training, which I think I need to get better at posting other things on there for sure. Yeah. So this season, um, I'm going to Denver. My cousin for my birthday got me tickets to Elenium at Red Rock, so I think I'm going to bring out to Denver, Red Rock hopefully so get a sweet. good training session out there. Um, these new iPhones, damn, man, they're like basically like having a 4K camera. So yeah, That's what we're recording um, on normally, right now. Normally concerts you can't bring like video cameras into, but I think now what's a game changer for the YouTube channel is I can record a lot more content of places where I couldn't bring my camera actually too before like my next show i would like to show um backstage like videos like what's actually going on backstage people sweet. are like what do you guys do backstage like before the show and i'm like honestly you would be surprised because you would be like so what the hell is the point you starve yourself starve yourself starve yourself and then you get backstage and people are pounding like rice cakes with peanut butter and strawberry jam on i'm eating like mcdonald's and shit and like yeah. just trying to get pumped up and like <laughs> Would you do it? Would the guys would the guys at the competition be cool with it? Like, do you think someone would be like, yo, what the fuck? Absolutely. They'd be okay with it because, cool. like I said, that's the transition in fitness now. It's become so 
um, commercialized oh, with super mainstream with social media. Mm-hmm. Not to the extent like you'll never see ever. You'll never see bodybuilding on ESPN, which is a damn shame. You'll never see it on TV, which is sad to me because these athletes, like I said, I think it's one of the hardest sports in the world. It's it's really one of the most mental sports in the world, and it's and just because the simple fact that they're taking an illegal substance is why it's not going to be where that illegal substance shouldn't be degrading their hard work that they put into it and their dedication because everybody could take those and not look like that person because they're going to go out, they're going to cheat on their diet, they're not going to train as intensely, they're not going to put the time that that person did. And simply, like, genetics do play a part in bodybuilding. Like, I don't have the greatest calves. Like, that's simple. Like, they're, like if I work calves every day, Big Mike might work them out one time in his whole life, and he's still, if he has genetically better calves, they're simply, like, his are just going to grow quicker than mine, even with doing them minimally. Right. So it's just genetics play a part in all those small things, but just by the fact that illegal substances are involved in it, I don't understand why that blackballs it when when there's athletes i promise you 80 percent of the league in the nfl from being around the sport of bodybuilding i promise you 80 percent of the nfl is on steroids yeah i mean they'll admit i'm sorry that's a dirty word i don't like using that on gear yeah as we term it um it's just it's who gets caught in those leagues it's kind of like college recruiting when there's money involved it's going to be in the nfl Who's who gets caught and who's that name? They're not gonna suspend J.J. Watt in his peak mm-hmm. when I know for a fact that that man is on gear. That's a big boy. He's not gonna get suspended because he was J.J. Watt. He was the sack leader in the NFL. He mm-hmm. brings in money, brings in views, and people also have the term if you take stuff that like they get, they have the misconception that you're gonna be jacked and enormous. No, you know how many baseball players in the steroid area of baseball when the sport was saved with my goal. all the hitters were getting like you know getting shit and they were getting caught but pitchers are taking more of it than the hitters like they use it for recovery that's mm-hmm. the main reason people are taking it is for recovery right and you can train more and more consistently and more well rested that's mm-hmm. the primarily like reason athletes take it like a baseball player and an NFL player just by the right. simple fact that they can recover quicker they're not doing it to get big. People don't understand. It's not the drug that's making you big. You, if you sit on your couch and you inject 500 milligrams of testosterone every day, you but you're not training, you will fuck. get fat, watery. And even if you are working out three times a day, but your diet shit, you're going to be still fat, mm-hmm. watery. <laughs> and like, even if you like work out every day and you're eating better, you can still get fat fat if you're not training intensely and you're not consistent like watery and watery (laughs) your face bloats out man it's it's to it's just i don't know it's 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 just sad to me i hope someday that changes especially with social media and people dude educating themselves funny more on it but can i ask you this is my it's my favorite and i'm not even a fitness dude the Thanos where it's like, ah, finally. And it's like the trend and it's like when the trend kicks in and it's this <laughs> ripped fucking kid and you're like, damn, dude. Let me tell your viewers now, or your listeners and viewers now, 
I promise you, with everything out now between the garbage, like pro hormones, SARMs, we live in a world where like no one's natural. Like, I mean, if you get if you eat chicken from your grocery store, you're not natural with mm-hmm. all the shit they pump in it. So like quit worrying about if people are natural or not and just work harder. Like simply like no one's natural nowadays to an extent. There's more people on than you would even know. Like I said, they're uneducated about it. They don't know what they're doing. That skinny 145-pound kid's probably taking more shit than Big Mike right now, and he's not Big Mike. So I'm just telling you right now, mm-hmm. don't worry about that. Do the right things. Don't even worry about if you should be taking stuff or not. Like, if you're, you're, the time comes, it'll come, but that's not going to be the thing that puts you over the top or doesn't. I promise you that. Make sure, and if you do do that, Make sure you educate yourself. Don't just willy-nilly and take something and fuck yourself up for life because Johnny took this and did this and he turned into this. I'm just, I don't want anyone out there to hurt themselves because even though I love the sport of bodybuilding and I do want it on TV and I'm kind of like downplaying, I don't want to downplay the drugs. Like I don't, Yeah. I'm not trying to say like everyone go take them, everyone's doing it in the NFL, everyone's doing it in this and that. Like. I don't want any younger, I don't condone it for anyone, you know, who's under the age of 21. Mm-hmm. And even that, like, you should have trained naturally for about a decade before you do do anything. And make sure you do your research and you see a doctor regularly. Like, get your blood work done. Um, I would never want anyone to fuck themselves up because it can fuck you up for life. It can be life-changing and altering and change everything forever. So if anyone out there is thinking of doing anything like that and taking gear, do your research, talk to the right people, and be careful. Make sure it's what you want to do because once you do it, it's not something as simple like you do it for eight weeks to look good on the beach just to get some bitches and like get a number or whatever. It's like not worth it. Like once you do it, you're in it for life. So just keep that in mind. And that's, do you follow the UFC at all? I do. Okay. Not as much as I did. So I followed the UFC. What about like like, TJ Dillashaw? The Forrest Griffin era and like Anderson Silva. So they Um, were, I do know who TJ fucking pumping gear then too though. Yeah. Absolutely. John Bones Jones has been caught for it. John Bones Jones has been caught with everything. (laughs) Uh, TJ just came off. <laughs> that's a susp- the truth. That's a fact. He just came off a suspension for, um, and I, I'm sure if I showed you, you guys might understand it better than me. But it actually wasn't really anything that's even deemed like illegal in in the U.S. It's just illegal in the UFC, mm-hmm. um, and it was really just for recovery. He had like a micro tear in his shoulder, and he was trying to recover but continue to train. And it's crazy the restrictions. There, correct me if I'm wrong. There's competitions that test. There's competitions that don't. Correct. Right. Um. So, the Lieberman one we were speaking of earlier at the Palace, I believe, is a natural show, and they mm-hmm. they do test. The problem with that is, and why my um last coach Aaron Legend stopped competing. He retired at the age of 30. Man, he's only Damn. he just turned 31. He's only. In his early 30s, like, I'm 27, so, like, he's not much older than me. Right. And he retired at his peak of his career because he was a natural athlete. But how he explained it to me, he said what people would do is they'd be on for 10 months out of the year, and then they just clean out their systems before the show. Right. So or they are getting find a way to get huge. around it. Yeah, which I people... It's very common they'll do. They'll just get on, and then they'll do a natural show, and then they just get off before the testing. Just like if you're someone smoking weed, passing a drug test for work, same right. thing. Like 
there's post-lifes to gear and certain ones last longer than others and mm-hmm. you can calculate when you're going to get off a certain amount of time because no matter what either show leading up to it you're not going to be on anything essentially or consistently doing anything because you're going to hold more water like we said earlier watery get fat so you want to get when you're doing a show you want least amount of water as possible you want you want to be dry as they say or conditioned you want striations just showing out of your your rib cage you you guys look like a grain of wood it looks insane when you mm -hmm. look at it up close and you get that look it's all through the water manipulation so Mm -hmm. i keep emphasizing water it's because that's what gear makes you hold is water Mm -hmm. some of it so um really either spec under the spectrum natural attested not tested show you're not going to be really doing anything leading up to it, essentially. But, yeah, the natural shows, I'll tell you what, honestly. Like like I said, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care if a guy's mm-hmm. natural or not. But I do see where Aaron's coming from, and I can see where the cry is for in baseball and sports. Like, like natu- truly people who aren't doing anything, I can see why they feel slighted. Right. You know, you're doing something that is supposed to not – you know, it's supposed to be natural and you're doing things to get an upper hand. Mm-hmm. So it would essentially be cheating, which is unfortunate. But for the natural bodybuilding world in those competitions, there's people doing that all the time. And it's and it's still it still kind of fucks the guy trying to just do the but, right thing. But to me, it's like uh, it's it's like I said, I just don't make excuses. And um to me for to those people who feel slighted just work harder like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you like you know it's it's a sad reality until those competitions find a better way to figure it out or like test you during the whole prep maybe like maybe they regularly send out like drug tests like 16 weeks out from the show or something I don't mm-hmm. know it's until they do that that's the nature of the beast and you just gotta you just gotta train harder Improvise, and right because if you believe you don't need that to be a certain level, then okay, prove it. Like, you know, like if you believe, like, you can get a certain physique. Like, that's the thing I hear, like, people knock on, like, people who are on gear versus aren't. They're like, oh, I can get that. I don't need that. Or, like, why are you doing that? And you don't even look as good. It's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't all just come down to that. Or or people will say, you wouldn't look like that if you weren't on at the same time. And it's like. Right. There ain't no telling. I don't there know. There no is no, that. there really isn't because a lot of genetics play come into play. So it's and like everyone's you different. You don't know and everyone's different. So, but I think it does get a bad rap for something that truly can help a lot of people. And <sighs> at the end of the day, I think it does. Um, even outside of the world of, of, you know, weightlifting, powerlifting and competition, I think it, it has a lot of good to it. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, um, yeah. And, I don't, I don't, I'm the type, I don't give a shit what another person does, you know, it's, with it pretty much anything. Like, it comes to anything in life, like in moderation and what's actually healthy. The problem is where it gets the bad rep and people, you talk about like hearts failing and things going wrong is it's what we talked about earlier, not being patient and people taking way more than they need to, mm-hmm. not the bare minimum. They're taking way too much or it's not enough. They're you know, what I mean, they they're relying on the drug versus the consistency of the training, nutrition, and diet, right, and right. whatnot. Like they're relying on that, and that's a bad bodybuilder 
in general, and that's just an addictive personality that probably shouldn't be doing the drug in the first place. Right. If you have an addictive personality, you should not be taking gear, probably doing any drug. Of, Anything that makes you feel or outside any type of, yourself. of drug, you know. It, yeah. Like like I said, like it's all in moderation. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there's nothing wrong with smoking weed. You probably shouldn't be smoking all damn day though. You yeah. Know? You probably shouldn't be chiefing the whole day. There's, you know. It's just, there's nothing wrong with drinking a beer or two, but you probably shouldn't be drinking 20 beers and dehydrating your brain to the extent where, like, that's why, you you know. That's what getting drunk is. People don't understand. Like, you're literally, when you're drinking alcohol, you're dehydrating yourself and you're dehydrating your brain, and that's why you get drunk. Yeah. You're suffocating uh, your brain. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Dude, I know the Browns are playing. Thank you for being on the show. Before we get done today, do you have anything you want to plug, shout out, anything like that? Um, definitely. I would like to spread some spotlight on like if you've never heard of Alexis Sharkey, look up her story. Um, Justice for Alexis. It's been nearly a year, and her killer still hasn't been brought to justice. Um, any support for that? Even like you just hashtag in your story, like Justice for Alexis, like. She definitely deserves some, you know, recognition. And uh, <clears throat> it's just a damn shame. She's someone who should be here now. And I promise you, if you think you're going through it now and you read her story, it will motivate you to keep going and push harder. Because to me, that's what it did for me. That's a person I think who should be here right now, living her dream. I mean, mm-hmm. she was, you know, she had thousands and thousands and thousands of followers on TikTok. And like her dream was like to help the youth and young girls and feeling confident and she's a person who should be here right now and one of her dreams was like to be in magazines and it's just sad to see the reason she was in people magazine is going through a grocery store because she was murdered and her killer hasn't been found so it's mm-hmm. like so just for alexis if you know look up her story alexis sharkey hashtag it put some spotlight on it and hopefully some pressure for her killer to actually have some balls and either like turn himself in or help if you you know can do anything to help with the case that'd be great um shout out to my boy aaron legend like i said he changed my life follow aaron legend you know dude's a phenomenal human being great guy um shout out to big mike my current guy go follow him big mike eli and uh shout out to my girlfriend sitting over there breed a baby mama she's a model definitely don't um want anybody commenting anything (laughs) on her pictures but go support follow her like her um and then yeah shout out to you guys thanks for having me on i honestly truthfully couldn't believe like it was very like one of those moments i'm like these guys want me on their podcast like for what (laughs) like type moments i was like you know i've never been asked to do something like this so it was definitely like a fun experience being on here and just shooting the breeze with you guys and hopefully being um, a good representative of the bodybuilding community. Hopefully, I didn't piss any OGs off with sharing certain things. I, I'm still learning. Like I said, I don't know what's taboo to bring up. I hope, hopefully, did a good job without, you know, throwing anybody under the bus here. But and try to give you an idea. If you guys want a true idea, if you are looking into bodybuilding and want to understand the sport, like I said, you can uh, follow my channel on YouTube, which is just my name, Troy Piazza, and um, I'm gonna hopefully do a better job of giving you an idea of the daily grind of it or you know like i said go on my instagram follow aaron follow big mike and 
do your research, like I said. Yep. Absolutely. I'm going to drop everyone's handles as long as you guys are all cool with that. I'll drop mm-hmm. your, your coaches as well, um, Aaron and Mike. And, dude, it's it's really cool to kind of see where you've come from, what you've overcome, and what you're looking to do moving forward. And for that reason, um, you are a well-rounded guest. And you know how to talk into the mic, too. I noticed, like, you went to put the drink down. You said, oh, here I'm back. And that's, and that's cool to have. A lot of people don't know what, what exactly is going on on this. Uh, you've been a great guest, very kind person, a lot of depth to you. Um, and I'm excited and best of luck with everything I moving forward. appreciate it, man. Hopefully get back on. Absolutely. And that, uh, of course, if you, if you're going to be like leading up into a competition, I know times are probably super crunch then. Um, even if we have to come do the podcast at the gym, it'd be cool to get you right before competition. Yeah, it'd be great. Like I said, uh, to bring, um, like I said, someone with a lot, a fountain of knowledge, like Mike on the show, he'd have a lot better stories and probably could give a lot better insight than I could in the bodybuilding just because yeah. the dudes lived and breathed the sport for over three decades. And I'm, like I said, I'm just getting started and that's what I'm the most excited about. I've had, you know, in my eyes, minimal success, but to others, great success in the mm-hmm. sport already. And for me, I've only, like I said, taken it seriously for like a year and a half, two years. So right. to me, it, it's, it sky's the limit from this point on. So see what happens next. Excited. I like that. But hey, hopefully have you guys maybe on a vlog even put you guys through a workout. We'll do it. <laughs> I don't know podcast, how long it'll last. Next but I got podcast, you. you could talk about it. <laughs> no, I'm cool. I'm definitely cool with that. Uh, guys, thanks for being on this episode of the Mind If I Crash podcast, available on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and the YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next week. Peace.